everyone. Welcome to DST Presents Twin Peaks, Part 11. My name's John. My name's Nick. Hi, Nick. Good to see you again. You too, John. Another week. Another week, another episode. Yeah, you've been away over the uh, the weekend. I have, yeah. Had a trip to Brussels, was it? Brussels in Belgium, yeah. Yeah, the reason I mention it is, a few weeks ago, you went away to Krakow, was it? And he came across a Twin Peaks tattoo shop. Yeah. <laughs> Any similar? <laughs> uh, no, no. I didn't actually see anything like that, unfortunately. This Nothing time. Twin Peaks related. Looking out, I was looking out and everything. No Dirty Cooper doing like a bar work or anything? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing like that, no. Oh, well. Good, good weekend, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's fantastic. Thank you. You're going to go into that in detail on the main pod this week? Yeah, yeah. Going to have to listen out for... I think the film for this week is... The Lost City of Z. Yep, that's right. But that might have to be confirmed. But yeah. I think that is it. But um, you'll have to go and listen to that one for the full story on my Brussels trip. Yeah, stay tuned to Don't Spoil the Ending main show and you'll hear all about that the weekend. Sounds good. So uh, what were your overall feelings on this episode this week? Um, this was probably one of my favourite ones really? so far. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. A lot of... A lot of things happened, didn't it? So. I really enjoyed it. It felt a bit like we were getting back on, on track. After that mental episode eight, where everything just everything went mad, it took part nine and ten just to get things rolling again. And yeah. this is the one where we, I feel like we're back to where we were before that break yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, so we'll, we'll just jump into it if you're, you're okay with that. Definitely, yeah. Uh, I've got my notes here. And I, I flip-flop from week to week on whether to do it scene by scene or location by location. I did it location by location, then realised that there's only actually one point where it jumps back and forth between Twin Peaks and Buckhorn. But other than that, they pretty much cut it up into location four as with this one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we'll, we'll just go scene by scene if you're okay with that. I'm perfectly happy with that, yeah. Great stuff. Okay, we'll jump straight into it. Uh, we open with a group of kids playing catch. Yeah, we do, yeah. Throwing a baseball around in Twin Peaks. Well, the technically, I think it's near the Fat Trout Trailer Park, I think. Is that where it is, yeah? I, I, I think so. There's a few trailers nearby and stuff, but yeah, yeah. a few kids playing catch. The ball goes a bit awry to near to the main road. One of the kids runs after it and hears a noise near the bushes and spots Miriam, who last week we were debating whether she'd been uh, just beaten up or whether she'd been killed by... Uh, is it Richard Horn? Well, you, you thought... Uh, I recall in last week's episode, you recall you you um, sorry um, you you actually said um, you thought maybe she'd made a mistake, the actress, like yeah. she was just breathing. You could see her breathing, so I thought at first that she'd been killed, and the actor was just given a bad performance, basically. Yeah, yeah. But now, as it turns out, for whatever reason, he left her alive. It, it seems a bit weird in the context of he was so so bothered about getting the letter before it gets to Sheriff Truman. But he's not covered his tracks, he's left her alive kind of thing. Yeah, so it seems a bit sloppy really. Yeah, yeah, so I don't know what his plan. Maybe he thought he killed her or something, I don't know. But maybe, maybe. Yeah, so I'm quite happy that Miriam's still alive because she seemed like quite a nice character and to be killed off in such a brutal fashion. <laughs> I may I maybe like I I recall you last week you mentioned that uh you seen him turn the gas on on light the candle. Uh, uh, so maybe I saw him light the candle and the camera panned pa- ca- camera panned past the hob. So I'm wondering if maybe he thought that was going to do something. Maybe, yeah, might be might be his plan, but... But nothing happened. Yeah, maybe he was crawled away, injured. I mean, you never know, I mean, in a future episode, we might go back to that trailer and it's blown up. Blown up and burnt out or something. Because <laughs> she, she managed to escape before or something. Yeah, maybe. Uh, 
Yes, well, that's all we get with Miriam this week. We'll, we'll leave that there. Well, actually, we get a few calls later on to the police station. We get a shot of the woman working the uh, the telephones, oh, taking yeah, we, calls. Yeah. Was any mention of Miriam there? I, I didn't know it was anything. No, but I don't think that was about Miriam. Something else once it. That, that was a scene later on that I'm sure we'll be coming across. Yeah, we'll get on. Well, to be honest with you, we'll, we'll pretty much jump straight there. We cut to Becky, uh, daughter of Shelley, taking a call at the trailer park. And it's to do with, I don't, I've got no idea who she's, I'm presuming she's talking to Stephen maybe, or... I think, that's what I got, the impression I got, yeah. Um, and she's clearly in a rage, absolutely fuming. Oh God, she was fuming, wasn't yeah. she? <laughs> she's probably uh, probably on something at the time, maybe, to uh, maybe. alter her mood a bit. Uh, she was absolutely fuming. Uh and we'll, we later learn it's because Stephen is having an affair, maybe? Is that By the looks of it, yeah. yeah. Like, because I think there was a shot, wasn't there, where, like, Stephen was, like, hiding down some stairs in his, like, dressing gown. Yeah. Um, with some, I think she was ginger, something. Yeah, ginger red-haired woman, woman yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're led to believe that Becky's annoyed because Stephen's having, they're married, I believe, and Stephen's having an affair. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Becky then gives her mum a call, calls Shelley at the diner, saying, I need your car, Stephen's got mine, and going to go over there and sort him out. I love this bit. Shelley turns up and Becky just steals the car from her, basically. I love that. She's knocking on the door. Becky kind of runs out, doesn't she? Yeah. Just dives straight in the car and starts the car. driving. And, and the bit where she's driving off and Shelley jumps on the bo- on the front bonnet. <gasps> Why is she doing this? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, she's obviously trying to stop her daughter, isn't I she? I suppose. But, I mean, Becky, maybe she was on something because she didn't seem to care, did she? She flung the car around and Shelley went flying off the hood. I mean, it's quite quite nasty, the scene. Yeah, yeah. She went flying off the hood, but her shoes just popped off and went flying. Did you see that? She yeah. just bounced off the floor. Wee! <laughs> <laughs> it made me laugh, that. Just the way her shoes popped off. But that just, uh, I mean, going back to what I, was, I think I said it last episode, or the week episode before, red shoes again. Oh, I, I didn't put that connection, connection there, but mm. yeah. Definitely her red shoes. They go flying. She tumbles off onto the grass. And Becky just drives off in a, in a rage. Uh, Carl, Carl Rod, the trailer park owner, yeah, yeah. spots Shelley, comes over, uh, and immediately calls for help with like a, a silver flute. It's like a tin, <laughs> or whistle. tin whistle. Tin whistle. Tin whistle. <laughs> uh, I, I love that. Like, he's like, oh, can you give me a lift? And he goes, it, yeah. do you know, it, it was very reminiscent of, uh, I think it's the new. Uh, me a bit. Yeah, like, Willy Wonka's got the uh, <laughs> to call the umplumpers. That, that, that is weird. He blows calls like Batman or something. <laughs> got this Batmobile with like radio in it or something. Calls through to the background. She has a gun and calls like, oh god. <laughs> yeah. We are uh, cut away from that then to Becky. She arrives at the the apartment, trying to bang on the door, and the neighbour tells her, you know, they've gone. They're not in. They've left. I've seen them leave. And she just starts unloading the gun into the door. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just randomly. I think, I think she shouts and she's like, fuck you, Steve. Mm. So, like, I mean, what were you saying about her being under the influence of something? Like, it's becoming more and more um, likely that um, she is. Yeah. Because, like, I don't I don't see... I, don't, I guess, like, if you found out your husband was cheating on you, you might, you might, you might get a bit ragey like that, but I don't know, it feels like it's somewhat... Yeah, drug, drug related maybe. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so that, that's a bit weird. She shoots through the door. Did you mention then we get a shot of Stephen 
down the down the stairs down with the like stairs. a woman and like they're, they're, they're obviously both in like nightwear kind of thing yeah they're just so they're just always waiting for us to leave kind of thing um that's the end of this twin peaks section for now we quickly jumped to buckhorn yeah, you yeah. okay without got anything more for twin peaks there or oh, no. we jump over to buckhorn and this is where things get good we meet up with Bill Hastings again, who's being driven by Gordon Cole, Tammy, Albert, Diane, and the local police uh, sheriff. sheriff. They drive them to the area, which is supposed to be the portal where Bill Hastings met Major Briggs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we turn up here, and the first thing you notice is they get out of the car, and there's a there's a woodsman watching from behind a building. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I think... Um, they, they noticed it themselves, didn't they? Well, Albert and uh, David Lynch's character. Yeah, Gordon, Gordon. Cole. I yeah. always forget his name. Um, yeah, Gordon and Albert spot him and they're both like, you know, what's going on there? And the character just flickers out of existence, you know, flickers in, flickers out. Uh, and then we go from there to a really weird scene where Gordon walks up to the area, which is the portal. Because uh, Bill Hastings, he said, like, I went in about 15 feet or something, didn't he? So, like, um, I think Tammy was told to, like, cover them. While Albert went in a bit, just, just so he can kind of... I think he didn't want need to go in as far, but then Cole, obviously, went in about the 15 feet. Yeah. And the the, the senior about to... That's where the, the portal starts to open in the sky. Like, it looks like a, a tornado, but first, like a black tornado. Yeah, yeah. It gets larger and larger. And uh, while while Gordon Cole's interacting with this like weird portal tornado, there's a wide shot of them all stood there, and I, I love this. It's a really wide shot from behind, and it's just basically an old guy just waving his hands in the air, just going, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what's that?" <laughs> Looks like a, like an old guy just taking for a day out oh, or something. I, no, I I love this scene actually because obviously like we they seen all this and like the like I think when he's up close and it's from his vision, like it's got kind of like a bit like like tense music kind of thing. He's yeah. Like, that kind of thing and like the camera shaking everywhere and like you say it um go backs up to like a long shot like a wide shot of everyone and then it's kind of like nice music like you say as if it's like a nice day out for everyone yeah, just, just cuts back and everyone stood there watching gordon he's just waving his hands around there like an old men- mental gadget like, oh. <laughs> love that but then we cut back again up close to gordon cole and he's having a vision of like of this weird tornado portal and it feels like the the important thing you're meant to take away from this is the shot of the woodsman lined up on the stairs. Yeah, yeah. Did you catch that? It's only literally a flicker of it. But there's three woodsmen on a on a staircase, which whether that's the stairs up to the convenience store where they're meant to, to live, I don't know. Oh, yeah, or above maybe. the convenience store, I don't know. But yeah. really weird shot of that. Uh Gordon's actually been taken into the port and Albert has to pull him back to, to, to stop him from, from he entering flick, it. He was kind of flickering out of existence like, like the woodsman was before. Yeah, kind of thing. almost as if he was going to go into that, that place. Mm. Uh, Albert pulls him back and they spot a dead body off to the side. They, they, they said someone, I presume, like Tanya, Tanya or something. The, the body, it was uh, Ruth Davenport. Was that it, Ruth Davenport? Who so. I believe is the librarian that Bill Hastings was having an affair with, uh, whose head turned up on Major Briggs's body. Ah, <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah, so this is the body without the head. So now we're just missing the final head. Now this we're is just Major mi- Briggs's head. We, didn't, we never found Major that's Briggs's head, did we? Yeah. Uh, so that's the one we're missing, isn't it? That's the one that's floating through time and space, I think. <laughs> <laughs> 
From that point, the camera cuts back to the police car. Bill Hastings is still waiting in the back, in the back seat. And we spot a woodsman creeping up to the car. It's the same woodsman we've seen before, is it not? I think so, yeah. I think uh, Diane spotted him, but didn't do anything about it. This is this is where the uh, whole, is she, what side she on comes into it again? Yeah, is Diane evil? Is she working for Evil Cooper? We're going to find out, but... I'm not liking the way it's heading. <laughs> I know, it's yeah. a shame, isn't it? But... Yeah, so uh, the woodsman creeps up. The sheriff is preoccupied with what Gordon and Albert are up to. And out of nowhere, there's like an explosion of blood in the back of the car. The sheriff absolutely shits himself. <laughs> oh, he's got a big splatter of blood down his face. Yeah. Just dives out of the car. And goes, oh, yeah. I think he calls for help, doesn't he, on his radio? He calls for help, wants back up. Gordon and Albert come over and take a look. And uh, oh, what was the line? I think I think Gordon pretty much spells it out. Uh, Gordon just lays it out there. He's dead. So <laughs> like, yeah, cheers, Gordon. <laughs> He's got half his head missing. <laughs> uh, I I laughed at that bit because yeah. I, I think that was just before it kind of cut to the next scene, wasn't it? Yeah, it's like an advert break or something. Yeah, yeah. and he uh, and he just kind of cut. Uh, he, he says that, and I was laughing my head off at that. Yeah, I loved that. He's dead. Camera cuts over. He's only got half a head left. So no more, no more Shaggy from Scooby Doo now. Uh, but what I find interesting is, I never really felt this before. But like the woodsmen have got a thing about crushing heads, haven't they? We, we've seen that before. Going back to part one, the thing that got out of the box, like shredded that couple's the heads of those couples, yeah, yeah. and they look like Shaggy did after after it had finished with yeah, them. It's just yeah. like a stump of a neck, you know, like with a bit of chin left on, kind like of thing. I mean, I'm pretty sure that they weren't woodsmen that did that, but just you know, maybe it was. I don't, I don't know. We couldn't really make out what it was. Yeah, but... they didn't show us what it was, did they? Oh no, sorry. That that was the thing from the dream that that spewed out the Bob Bubble. I think. I think it was called the Project or yeah. something like that. So I'm presuming that's what that is. But to find it weird that the uh, modus operandi is similar to uh, the woodsman, you know, like yeah. no head left afterwards, yeah, kind I of thing. Never considered that, but yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. I feel like I say this every week, but it feels like things are starting to tie together now, but every week they find a way to make it like tie less together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we pretty much finished with Buckhorn there. That's uh, the final bit there. We jump back to Twin Peaks, where we're in the diner with Bobby, Shelley and Becky. I don't know if you mentioned it when we were last talking about it, like... She actually called Bobby, didn't she, on that radio? That oh, so she did, yeah, yeah. Which is why, because like, like we literally, this is literally the very first time in that last scene where we find out that um, it is definitely Bobby, that is the father of Becky. Yeah, because um, like she's like, oh, Bobby, she's, um, she's, um, stole my car, kind of thing, and all this. Yeah. Well, I don't think it tells you exactly, but you can pretty much presume at that point. I think at that point that they say something like, he says, well, I'm your father, you know, like, we're, we're going to deal with this or whatever. That, that's in this scene at the cafe. Oh, so yeah, this bit, yeah, at the diner. We've been speculating for weeks about, like, who the father is and confirmation now it is Bobby. Yeah. Uh, so Leo got the old elbow by the look of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back at the end of series two. Well, if you remember, Leo was there. Uh... Oh, left with a spider. <laughs> yeah, and he was, he was like, throughout the entirety of season two, he was... Uh... Um, incapacitated let's yeah say. like in a coma like state yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah. until like until like the end yeah he was yeah spider. so i think leo's gone back definitely gone bye-bye uh 
and we're having this conversation and basically the I found it weird how Becky just showed no remorse whatsoever. Mm. Do you notice this? And then yeah, she looked over at Norma and almost like remembered, like, oh God, Mum, are you okay? You know, I flung you off the car. <laughs> well, yeah, because yeah, cause it's as if Norma was like, go on, say something. Yeah, as if like, you know, like, pretend you care kind of I thing. I know, like, yeah. Like... Yeah. So that was a bit weird. Yeah. And Shelley just seemed to buy it completely. Uh, at this point, when they're hugging and reconciling, Balthazar Getty turns up at the window of the diner. I think it's called Red, maybe, the creepy dude from like a few, a few episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. The one who put Richard on his path to run down that kid. Do you remember this? The uh, the drug dealer guy, oh, whatever is that he is. Him? Yeah, this is him, yeah. The guy who like had the magic oh. coin and stuff. Do you remember that? So now Shelley's dating. Oh, God. Dating a guy worse than Leo and Bobby combined, by the look of oh, it. She, she loves her. Uh... A rough guys. Didn't well, I feel like she likes the bad boys kind of thing, but I mean, there's bad boys and then there's like... That. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then there's like evil magic dudes who deal drugs. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Balthazar Getty gets her to come to the front of the diner and arranges a meet-up in an apartment later on. Yeah. Uh, Shelley, again, the, the characters seem so weird. Completely forgets the fact she's just been dealing with a distraught daughter and stuff like well, that's, that's I found this to weird me because like... They were hugging and like, like she was crying her eyes out. She's like, "No, you stay with me tonight. You stay with me tonight, okay?" And then as soon as she sees him, like it's, it's as if like all the tears had just magically gone away, and she was fine, and 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 she just went outside and started kissing that guy. As, yeah, as if nothing happened, kind of thing. Might be something to do with his magic. Maybe he actually did magic her tears away. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Maybe Stephen's got the same kind of power with Becky or something. <laughs> Who knows, yeah. Yeah, so uh, she comes back in, and out of nowhere, we get a couple of gunshots into the diner. Uh, Bobby's straight on the case, gets the gun out. Yeah, yeah. He leaves the, the diner, approaches like a, is that like a, an SUV or something that's... Got a family in the front and yeah, something like well, it's got like the parents in the front and then like the a kid at the back. Yeah, and essentially we find out that the mother moved whatever's under under her feet to the back of the car, not realize well claiming not realizing it was a gun, and the kid just 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 fired the gun because he looked like a little hunter dude like his dad. <laughs> oh yeah, like I yeah. found that quite a funny little. Uh, um, think because he, he literally just his dad, wasn't he? And yeah, a little comparison like that. You cut to the dad; he's got the baseball cap on and the, the camo game and stuff. Yeah. You cut to the son; he's got the same stance completely, with a little baseball cap and a camo Bobby's, camo jacket. Bobby's on. face when he was looking at it was like, oh, yeah, weird there. Just taking in the weirdness kind yeah. of thing. Uh, and Rick, we go from there. It gets weirder. <laughs> it gets weirder. <laughs> Starting with uh, a police officer who we now know is Jesse. He was in a lot earlier when Andy and Lucy's son came, turned up. He came in to announce it and did this really weird pose when he came in. He was like, you know, hey, your son's here. Yeah, yeah. And like, here he turns up doing this weird pose and it's like, Bobby, I heard the gunshots. I was around at Big Ed's. Big Ed got a mention. Around at Big Ed's. Is there anything I can do? It reminds me of Elijah Wood. This guy. I mean, we'll probably get to it in a bit in the later scene, but he, he does something really hilarious. Later Comes on back lazy. Yeah. And, and that made me laugh as well. I was like, what? It's but, like, again, the character thing, it's like he's acting. He is an actor. It's like an actor. Acted as a guy, acting to be a policeman. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, the way he stood there like that with that stance. It's so weird. And he mentioned Big Ed. Loved, loved Big Ed yeah, in the yeah. old show. I hope we get to see Big It is Big Ed, isn't it? Who runs the gas? So, yeah. Big Ed's gas stop, or whatever it is. Uh, Nadina's husband, hoping we get to see Big Ed sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
And we go from there to the car behind behind the incident is just beeping the horn furiously. Bobby goes around to see what's going on. And it's just a mad woman in the car screaming about how they have to get home. They've missed the missed dinner. Is yeah, that right? It's past six o'clock already. Um, yeah. It's past six o'clock already. Um she's um not seen her uncle or something in a while. She needs to see her and she's sick essentially, is yeah. what she said. Need to get there. Uh, and like we didn't know what we were on about. I, I when I seen this I thought I thought they were on like a convoy with a car in front. Yeah, I thought they were going somewhere to get to the sick person. Yeah, yeah. And I've no idea what this is like. There's a, a child in the car seat next to her. Well, completely was, hidden down out of view. It's like down in the the In the footwell, footwell kind of thing, yeah. And it emerges. <laughs> it. Just... I, 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 did it have like a... Uh, a line going into its mouth, you know, like a, a drip line kind of thing. I feel all. like it had like like green gunk kind of dripping yeah. out of its mouth. And it, it was it just rose from the car seat, just every so just spewing like green bile out the corner yeah. of its mouth. It's so weird. <laughs> like, I, I honestly can't even fathom what that's about. Yeah. I mean, going back to the Lynch thing, we've, men- we've got to mention a lot of the Twin Peaks thing, isn't it? But we've, we've mentioned a lot of what he likes and stuff. And I think on the Mulholland Drive episode, we said that he just has like ideas to do stuff. It not not even so much it has to tie into anything. He'll just put things in there that he leaves you to make sense of because he doesn't know himself what it means. And I feel this is one of the moments we'll probably never find out what that yeah, was. Yeah. He just thought it would be horrifying to have this weird image of this kid spewing out green bile down the side of the face. Well, that's it because it doesn't even make sense. Because like if they're traveling from out of town, like it's nothing to do with anything in Twin Peaks. Um, so I I just. I'm not quite sure what the relevance of it is. So, like, you're probably right, to be honest. Yeah, no idea. Uh, very strange, but we may never come back to it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, don't get me wrong, I'd enjoy it if we did, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be too bothered if we didn't come back to it. Because... I almost don't want to go back to it, to yeah. be honest, just leave it as it is kind of thing. The, uh... So we, we go from there to uh, Hawk and Sheriff Truman checking out a map in the Twin Peaks police station. Yeah, yeah. They're like mapping out their journey they're going to have to do, following the orders from Major Briggs that he left in that weird little whistle flute silver thing that for, that Bobby opened. Yeah, yeah. They're checking out the map. And you might be able to help me remember here, but the point of this is, Hawk mentions the the, the, the black fire. Uh, he's been, he gets told by the log lady where you're going, there is fire, I believe. She does, yeah. Because, and, yeah, while they're looking, they get a phone call from Margaret. Yeah, from they? the log lady, yeah. And uh, they mention where you're going, there is fire. At this point, he's already told Sheriff Truman that the fire on the map merges with the black symbol. And, yeah, because there was... Oh, the black corn, so There was it, there was black corn, which is obviously where the uh, cornmeal comes from, I'm assuming. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Garmin Bosier. That's what it is. That's what I mean. The Garmin Bosey is the black corn with fire, like black fire. That's what I mean. Yeah. So, like, we've got, like, fire and the black corn. Yeah. Put together, you get black fire. Call it black fire. I'm sure they mentioned black fire earlier in the show. Have but they? I don't recall. I can't, I'll have to go back. So, and... are, we, are we saying that this black fire is the Garmin Bosey? It's definitely tied to it. It's the Garmin Bosey on fire, basically, like the pain and sorrow yeah, kind of yeah. thing. So. But, like, on that map as well... Um, um, Sheriff Truman points to like a. It looks only like a little alien head, maybe. Yeah. Uh, he points to that, doesn't he? We've mentioned this before. It's a little black symbol. To me, it looks like a black dog. I mean, it 
it might not be. It could, like, it yeah. looks like an ant almost, maybe, or something. Maybe, yeah. A little weird head with, like, pointy-out ears. But it could look like a Rottweiler head or something, maybe like a cartoon Rottweiler head yeah. with the ears flopping, like... Potentially, yeah. Uh, the reason that's important is, back in part one, Evil Cooper showed a card to Daya, I think she was called, a woman that he killed. It was a playing card, and it had the that symbol drawn on it. That black symbol with the ears drawn on it. Yeah, yeah, I recall, yeah. Yeah. And we're, I met, we're, we're seeing it quite a lot throughout, I think. It pops up a few times. And the black dog relevance as well. Like, I, mean, I know we've mentioned that previous episode, but you've mentioned, haven't you, how yeah. in the film it in was? the film, yep. The, uh, the bit where you can hear on the soundtrack, uh, the black dog runs at night, repeats a few times. Again, you know, no idea what that means to this point, but... If this was a black dog, not sure if it is or not, but if it was, it could tie into that. Yeah, you know, yeah. like they're going to go and meet this black dog or whatever. Uh, so yeah, we've, we've got that. We've got the black fire, and uh, you mentioned then that Sheriff Truman asked what it is, and Hawk's just like, "You do not want to know what that is. Do not even ask." <laughs> I mean, see, like if I was Truman, and at this point, I'd have said like, "Right, I get what you're saying. I don't want to know, but." I really do want to know, yeah. especially now you've just told me I don't want to know. I love that, yeah. But 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 his reaction was just like, really? And he's like, yeah, you definitely don't want to know what that is. Maybe it's a character thing. Like, uh, like I was thinking, like you are. It's like we've come this far. Don't even ask about that. Okay, but I do kind of want to ask about that. <laughs> but maybe it's a character thing in in the they know each other that well that if Hawk tells you do not even ask it's you don't ask <laughs> you know like maybe maybe it's one of them where they're, they're so familiar with each other a bit like the log lady how you get people like Chad and this Jesse who wouldn't believe the log lady yet Hawk and I presume Sheriff Truman know, know her that well that they know she has vital information for yeah, them you know that kind of thing anybody else would brush it under the carpet yeah, yeah. but they actually listen to her uh, and that's where we get the, the call from the log lady and she mentions there's fire where you were going, which seems to be the important takeaway from that. This black fire, how it'll tie in, no idea, but mm. it's got to be a big thing by the look of it. And I think we finish off the scene with after this whole conversation, we get the Elijah Wood looking looking cop the, Jesse. The, the scene I was mentioning before, yeah. Like, I, I, if, if, if I remember correctly, he basically just walks in and goes, Sheriff Truman. Um, I've got my new car outside if you'd like to see it. <laughs> and you're just yeah. like, what? Who, who, who in the right mind will walk into the boss? <laughs> like, let alone the sheriff of the police station. Like, just saying, like, do you want to go and see my new car? I've got it parked outside. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, I don't know, actually, thinking about that, that's the kind of thing I might actually do. <laughs> you know, go, go and show something off, like, but, uh, but it's the way he does it. He pops his head in and does that weird stance through the door, like... And it's like, uh, like says, I have a new car. Would you like to see it? And have uh, Sheriff Truman's like, no, you okay, Jesse? <laughs> I mean, just came to my head now. So like, it could be completely wrong. Probably is to be fair, but the fact that he's like, like you say, he's kind of almost an actor who's overacting, acting a yeah. police officer. Um, maybe it's actually supposed to. I mean. Just a fairy coming out, just made up on the spot. But maybe it's just like, it's supposed to be like a guy that's like, it's not actually a police officer, but it's like, may, maybe like a 
someone from the Black Lodge that's pretending to be a human and they've just I, not got it down. That's a good, a good shout. Acting to be a policeman, yeah. He's, he's just like he's, he's just kind of. I mean, we we might find out that he's uh he's just is is one of. I mean, what what do we call them? Demons. Um, Black Lodge residents, like, I think. Yeah, yeah pretty much something people like who, that. Yeah, but, like we might find out that like he's one of them or something, and he's like. The, the the reason like he's just so overacting with all yeah. the arm movements and and weird things, it, it, it he's got the wrong end of the stick when it comes to human interaction. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Going off from that as well, uh, maybe it's a lot more simple in terms of just like he's not even a policeman, just a normal normal bloke who hangs around the police station dressed like a cop, and they all just go along with it, just you know like just to let him do it kind maybe, of thing. Maybe. That's why he's so overacting. <clears throat> feels like a Twin Peaks kind of thing to do like uh, I'm, I'm totally off on a tangent here but on, on Seinfeld I mentioned to Winman there's a bit where Kramer has been working at a place for like two years and it turns out he wasn't even working there he was just like going in every day <laughs> <laughs> and it feels like that kind of goofy thing could actually get you could get away with that on Twin Peaks maybe <laughs> yeah so after Jesse we then with, we tie things up in Twin Peaks we then go for one brief scene back in Buckhorn uh, Gordon Diane and Albert having coffee and donuts in the in the sheriff's department there. Uh, I don't think there's really much to take from the scene other than there's a photograph that they've taken of the uh, Ruth Davenport's body and there are coordinates on the arm. Yeah. And when they're looking at the photo, did you notice Diane intensely looking at it, trying to memorise the numbers yeah, almost? Well, I, I think, like, I, I don't know if he said it a bit out loud... Or like she just mimed it, but like she definitely like was saying them. Yeah. Like um, miming them or at least something. You know I, I mean? think she was mouthing them, trying to remember them, and Albert caught her and was like, "Yeah, I'm yeah. like we already know that Albert doesn't trust her because it turns <laughs> out that like they all they all know now that she's potentially in on it. With, yeah. Uh, with with Evil Dale. Yeah, I like the one little bit where she asks if she can smoke. And Albert's like, smoking is bad for you. Yeah, yeah, I know. Fuck you, Albert. <laughs> I think her response to that was actually, yeah, fuck you, Albert. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love Albert. It's a, such a shame that Miguel Ferrer's died in yeah, real life. Yeah, so that that's is that all the information we need from that point? Really? I don't think there's much more to uh, get from that. Yeah, they just enjoy some coffee and donuts. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Uh, and we then jump from there. We're, we're on the home stretch now. We then go from there to uh, Vegas, and we catch up with uh, the boss. Is it Nolan Mullen? This is called or something. The you know the the boss guy of the insurance company. Oh yeah, we do. The former yeah. boxer. He's calling. Uh, yeah, Mullen. This is calling uh, Dougie Cooper into his office. I love this Dougie little- Cooper. Dougie Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I didn't. I just picked up on that. That's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> he calls Cooper. Dougie in. While he's doing that, he's doing these really shitty push-ups on his desk. Do you notice this? Like, yeah. <laughs> must be like a seventy-year-old bloke, and he's still trying to keep fit, but he's doing these really half-assed push-ups on his desk. And he's like, yeah, don't even bother. <laughs> uh, Dougie gets led in there by following following the coffee. Well, I think, I, think, I think he asks him in, doesn't he? He like, yeah. he, he like goes in the microphone and it's like, like, oh, Dougie, can you come and see me office? And that uh, that little helper guy that's always like yeah. following him around, kind of thing. He's just like. This is, I can't remember what you said his name was. This is me. Um, I've got your coffees. We'll be in in a minute. Because <laughs> yeah. obviously Dougie just, and then the, the best thing for me was, you see uh, you see him walking up and you just see um, um, Dougie 
Dale, whatever you want to call him, like kind of chasing the coffee. Just, just following like, the coffee all the way. <laughs> like he's got to lower him into the office with the coffee and then just turn around and go out once yeah. in there. Like, <laughs> uh, he, he lures him into the office. Boss Mullins tells him that uh, the Mitchums are so happy with the work you've done for them that they want to meet with you. And uh, not only that, you can now give them the £30 million payout because I doubled down and got insurance myself on this payout so we actually ended up being up in, in the end. We're getting more money back to, to pay out their insurance claim, which previously we were going to d- deny because of Tom Sizemore yeah. doing a fraudulent deal. He's outside watching this whole thing going on. <clears throat> and don't forget, he's been told that he's got to kill Dougie Cooper if the Mitchums don't do it. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's bound to come on. But like, I mean, we'll carry on. We'll, we'll get back into what I was going to say in a bit, actually. Yeah, no worries. So then uh, he tells him you're going to meet up with them. Uh, you know, they must be big fans of you. They're going to love you. Uh, ju- just give them the check, you know, and, and all's good kind of thing. So they leave to uh, to go and meet them. And on the way out, Dougie Cooper is walking towards the front front desk and he can spot uh, the one-armed man. Yeah, you see in the red room, don't you see him? Like in the red room and... Yeah. Uh... And like obviously, his boss is just like, "Where are you going?" Like, and and I think, he, but he goes into the uh, the room, doesn't he? Walks off to the side. Um, I think the the one our man's literally directing him to buy the pie. Yeah, he's like this, like this way, like that. He goes over that way. Uh, next thing you know, is they're outside getting into the limo. He has a massive box with him. He does. <laughs> way oversized. He <laughs> was very much oversized. Yeah. Uh, gives him the cheque, puts in his top pocket, puts him in the car to go meet the Mitchums. So from there, we then cut to the Mitchums themselves in their like Vegas pad. What you think at first is uh, breakfast time, <laughs> because Robert Robert Nepper, the prison break guy, is eating like raisin something or other, <laughs> like raisin bran or something. Raisin bran yeah. or something, yeah, eating a cereal. Uh, and while he's doing that, the can- one of either Candy, Mandy, or Sandy fills up the other the other cup with coffee and orange juice. And uh, James Belushi comes out, and he starts eating his raisin bran as well. Well, I don't think he actually eats it. He comes out, he pours it, puts the milk in it, and then he's just like, I, I, he just the look in his face. It's like, oh, I can't be asked eating it because yeah. he's just like so focused on like the um, his dream which i'm assuming you're about to mention oh well he mentions at first he can't eat it because it's so wound up he just can't wait to kill dougie cooper yeah i can't yeah. wait to kill him and uh the, the brother's like oh can you wait three hours at least it's half two and you're like half two and they're eating breakfast like, <laughs> no, <I'm bothered>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you know even at least wait three hours it's like okay i suppose so but then he starts telling him about his mad dream that he had the night before yeah yeah I don't think you learn anything at this point. No, like, I don't. think it's like, I can't remember it, but it was, it was a really vivid dream. Uh, and I think that's all we get from that scene. But I think we then cut to, uh, again, going back to the limo, uh, Dougie Jones has been driven to into the desert. Yes, yeah. We get a really nice weird cover of uh, Viva Las Vegas over the top of this. He gets driven through Vegas into the desert. And before he gets there, the Mitchums are in the car waiting for him. And this is where James Belushi, it's like his dreams start to come back to him. 
And it's like, in my dream, your your cut was healed, your candy cut. <laughs> yeah. In my dream, your candy cut was healed. And uh, Robert Depp is like, no, don't be daft, there's no way. And he takes the plaster off and it's com- completely healed. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, just before we get on to the next yeah. bit, like, I liked it in the car when they were driving along. And the, um, this is Dale and the driver. And the driver was like, oh yeah, I remember, Red Door. Oh yeah, I like that, yeah, Red Door. <laughs> I mean, the limo driver must know he's taken him to his death or something. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's really weird. But, uh, like, Dale, I don't even think Dale re- responded with Red Door, did he? He, just, he was just, like, staring out the window at that point. Yeah. But I, I quite like that. Little yeah, a little uh, nod, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was quite good. Uh, and we then cut back to the desert. Dougie turns up with this massive box, stood in the middle of the desert. Like, the driver had to literally, like, I'd, I've seen it, the driver actually pull, had to actually pull his legs out of the yeah, car. Yeah, to help him out like, the come car. come on, come on. Because <laughs> he, st- he still doesn't know how to person, so. I love the fact just nobody's, like, getting on to the fact that, he, you know, he's, he's clearly, like, catatonic kind of thing. Like, <laughs> just everyone's treated him. They're going to kill him, you know what I mean? <laughs> so weird. And this is the point where James Belushi spots the box and he's like, oh, my God, my dream's come back to me. And he explains to Robert Nepper that, if what was in my dream is in that box, we can't kill him. We cannot kill him as our friend. And he, Robert Nepp is like, what What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he finally he finally whispers it to him, what should, what was in the box in the dream. Robert Nepp takes a gun out and holds him at gunpoint and says, what is in that box? If it's a cherry pie in that box, you need to tell me right now. And Dougie Jones is like, cherry pie. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, obviously... Uh- He's, what's the other guy's name, sorry? James Belushi. I don't James. I don't know what the character names are, to be honest. No, I don't. I mean, the brothers, aren't they? So yeah, the Mitchums, like, yeah. That's it, the Mitchum brothers. Yeah. The other Mitchum. Um, he, he goes and opens the box. He's like, oh my God, it's cherry pie. <laughs> well, I think he says it's pie anyway. Yeah, he couldn't believe it. But Robert Nepp is still not buying it. He's like, frisk him, frisk him now. So he pats him down, finds the check. Well, he finds a letter, doesn't he? And he says like, it's addressed to us. Yeah. Like, open it, see what it says. And I think... Did you notice this? I love this bit when he takes the check out and realises what it is. This look on his face is just like, oh my God. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. yeah. But like, there's literally, I think it's an envelope, isn't it? Addressed to the Mitchums, yeah. essentially. And uh, and, he, and and he's like, oh, open it, see what it says kind of thing. He opens it, it's like £30,000 or something. Uh, 30 million, 30 Sorry, million 30, dollars. 30 yeah. million dollars. Yeah. I don't know why it's a pound. It's obviously not pounds. <laughs> um, 30 million dollars. Uh, and, and and yeah, that like you say, that little interaction where they're to like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was amazing. That little, yeah, like, uh, and it's like a little celebration, like, <laughs> yeah. and immediately, like, we love this guy. <laughs> he was their mortal enemy like two minutes ago, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I loved that. Uh, I thought we're pretty much at the end now, to be honest with you. Uh, they then cut to they're eating like in a, in a fine dining, eating, eating in a fancy restaurant. And the toast in Dougie Jones. Dougie's really like preoccupied with the piano player. I don't know what what that was all about. Well, it was weird because like they, they were playing one tune and then they changed to another. I don't. Yeah. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it, but like when I was reading online, I, I looked at a few things. Yeah. It wasn't Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, was it? I couldn't tell you. I thought at first it'd be like a. A piano version of like Lower Palmer's theme or something like that, but yeah, it wasn't. No. I just don't know what it was to be honest. But I was like, because like I, I mean, I didn't look too much into it, but like I, because I wanted, I, I recognised the piano player, and I don't know where from, but I, right, okay. I recognised him. So I tried to like have a Google, see what I could find, and and 
I think I've seen that they might have been playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. I don't know if this is just... Like, I, I might be wrong, but like, um, if that is true, that it was Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, it might just be the fact that he's he, he's in a childhood state. Yeah. Uh, he's in very much a, a baby state kind of thing. So like, he's just very much um, t- liking the sound of Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, maybe. I, but Yeah, I mean, I found it weird that... When the mu- music changes, it's almost like symbolic of something, but I just don't know. Yeah, I, I, I everything seems to slow down a bit, and he turns around and looks. The only thing that really happens is uh, the old lady from the casino earlier on turns up. Her name on this episode was Lady Slot Addict. <laughs> that was that Lady Slot Addict. <laughs> that was her credit. <laughs> that was me. She turns up, she's like, oh, Mr. Jackpot, oh. <laughs> she starts going mental, and she's like, oh, this is my son. You know, we finally got met up again for the first time yeah, in 20 yeah. years or whatever. Yeah, and uh, and she's just telling the Mitchums, this is a very special man. You need to, you know, look after this man. And they're like, yeah, we know, we know we're special. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, she, I think she, she introduces her son, doesn't she? Like, yeah. this I've not seen him in 24 years or something. Yeah, I've got my own house again uh, now. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. all because of you pointing at me in the right direction. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. And uh, we, we go from there to, they bring cherry pie out. Excuse me, the cherry pie from the box. They bring it out and serve it up as like a, a, a toast for them. And uh, when Dougie eats it, you get a little bit of the old Dale just going like, damn good. But that, that's all, you know, it's literally in the old Dale voice and everything. Yeah. Like, Not even like Dougie Jones doing it anymore. It's the old Dale voice, and uh, yeah, just another little hint there of Dale coming back, kind of thing. So we are gonna get him back eventually. Like, yeah. probably correct. It'll be in the final what, two episodes, but well, I'm sure I, I mentioned like in episode two or three, it'll probably like episode fifteen or something, and we're nearly there. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I can't believe he's dragged it out for this long, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. it, it you know, it's yeah. great. It doesn't bother me at all. And the the episode ends on the piano player. Uh, Get that that weird piano music comes back again for the for the finale. But yeah, that that was it. Uh, yeah. Do you want to jump straight to straight to ratings for the episode? I mean, all I, I wanted to mention is like it's actually about previous episode mm. because we're talking about the music oh, at the sorry, end. Oh, yeah. There's just one thing I forgot to mention last week. Oh yeah. And and like is that the guitar player on last week's episode was Moby, and I thought that was amazing. So like. That's why I was googling it today, like about yeah. the piano player. I was like, maybe this is like a dead not good, another cameo, like uh, yeah. Cameo. I mean, I couldn't find anything on who mm. it was, but so yeah, we, should, we should have mentioned that at the start. I forgot all about that. No, we, yeah, we, we said last week, didn't we? we were yeah. going to mention that, and I, I forgot all about it. Yeah, I completely forgot. But yeah, but like it kind of ties in what we were talking about at the end here. To be fair, because like I genuinely thought like this guy, because I I can't I can't picture where I know him from, but I know I knew that guitar that guitar sorry um, piano player um, yeah. from somewhere um, so that's why I was googling it because I feel like maybe like he's got Moby last week maybe he's got some like famous concert pianist or something yeah, like yeah. that that's what I thought yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean he is quite musical David Lynch he does, he does his own music and stuff like that Tammy Palmer is a musician agent Tammy Palmer so it wouldn't surprise me if he had like one of his friends come along to you know like like Moby you know yeah, yeah. his big mates with Marilyn Manson so yeah. <laughs> David Lynch yeah Mike Ma- Ma- uh, Marilyn Manson cameo could do he was in a oh Lost Highway um, he starred in that Marilyn Manson yeah so uh, he's done work with him before and stuff I believe they've done a coffee book art book uh, coffee book a coffee, a coffee table art book together oh right, okay <laughs> yeah uh, they've done that 
done that before, so he could turn up at some point. Maybe yeah. that would be interesting. Mm, a few weird cameos, but mm-hmm. yes, yeah, so do you want to rate the episode? By all means, yeah. I'll let you go first. Mine's a bit boring, so... <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going to... I mean... I'm... I'm probably going to give this another five star. It's like I've only given one before it, and that was yeah episode eight. Episode eight. Yeah, I'm going to give it a five star because this for me is probably like one of the, my favorite episodes of the season. Yeah, for all, everything that's happened and like, yeah, I feel like like you say a lot a lot of things are starting to come together now. So like, finally starting to tie together. Yeah, yeah. and I feel like uh, a lot of the new characters he's introducing. Are becoming really good, like the Mitchums. I think the Mitchum brothers. That's what I mean. Yeah. Maybe they're done, done, dusted now. They might be not in the show anymore. Maybe. But I've really enjoyed the Mitchum brothers. They've been really good. So Same, yeah. yeah, five stars for me as well. Boring rating for me, but yeah, really I enjoyed I, it. I, I expected nothing less, John. Yeah, pretty much five stars every week now. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think we're all done. I'll just quickly uh, mention the social media. You can contact me at Taylor nineteen eighty. Uh, I can be found at DSTE Nick. Yeah, I'm a part of a main podcast called Don't Spoil the Ending. Uh, what's their Twitter handle again? Uh, at DST Podcast. Yeah, so you can you can hit us up over there as well. If you've got any feedback for the show, anything you want to tell us about, anything you think we've got wrong, by all means, the best thing to do is contact us on Twitter. But we've also got a Facebook page now. Which is facebook.com forward slash DSTE podcast yeah so uh, again me and Nick are both on that regularly so if you want to hit us up over there jump over there send us a message a five star review wouldn't go amiss either to be honest with you mm-hmm. so uh, yeah that'd be great uh, anything more you want to mention Nick uh, no no I think that's everything all done okay yeah so uh, thanks for joining us for part 11 we'll be back next week uh, next Wednesday with part 12 part 12 yeah part 12 Great. Cheers, guys. See you then. Thank you. Cheers. Bye.